you can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. And together, we make the Podcast of Champions talking all things Pac-12 football. This is really the Conference of Champions, for real. Like, we are really the Podcast of Champions, because Pac-12 is undefeated, David For Woods. another reason, too, and I need to bring this up up top. Ryan's bleeding right now. I'm bleeding a little bit. He's yeah. bleeding, but we are still bringing you this show. Let me see. Okay. Yeah. What are oh, we? Yeah, are we still, still fresh? Yeah. Still pretty freshy. Yeah. yeah. Shaved before I got over here. Uh, but he yeah. shaves for me. Isn't that nice? Just I want to look good. Yeah, that's right. For Mr. Woods. You know, we're on camera. Podcast of Champions. Yeah, it was a big weekend, which was uh, pretty amazing. But we have an exciting. So what we're doing this week, because there's just so many games, and we had some news, uh, you know, the uh, Calford and the ACC and all that kind of stuff. So we wanted to go over the games, uh, especially the Colorado TCU game that took the nation by storm. Um, and we're going to do all that today. It's on Monday. Happy Labor Day to everybody. Then we'll do later in the week. We'll figure out a time. We'll preview the next week's of games. Probably, be, Thursday. probably Thursday. Probably Thursday. That's probably what we'll do there. Uh, but yeah, we're the Podcast of Champions. If you want to email us, uh, we do have a few questions, but if you have some later on from the week, uh, pac12podcast at gmail.com, or you can call or text us at 424 532-0678. Uh, Twitter is at Pac-12Podcast. And uh, over on our website, Pac-12Podcast.com, we'll put up all the uh, content. If you want to check there, especially for the survivor pool picks, if you want the link, Pac-12Podcast.com is where you can go all the time. We also have our power rankings and all that. So all the information over there is on Pac-12Podcast.com. And then the uh, Apple Podcasting app, you can follow us over there. And uh, leave us a five-star rating and review. We love that. And I don't know if we have any new ones, David. Uh, we don't as of yet, but we did only record on Thursday, so I won't uh, berate you all for being lazy. Uh, but I expect by Thursday's show, there's some new reviews in there. I'm counting on you, the listener. I'm looking at you. Do you see me? I'm not talking to like somebody else who's listening. I'm talking to you right now. Which, I expect a five-star which review. Listener, which specific listener? Is it uh, Scott? Jim. No, it's Jim. Scott says happy Jim, Labor Day. Jim knows. Okay. Uh, Jim, Mark, make it happen. Mark says, uh, hello, Ryan and David. Uh, John says Colorado is back. So we got some people in the chat. Colorado Thank never left. All right. Buff Stampede, world's biggest Colorado fan right here. Everyone knows it. Yeah. Been there from the beginning, uh, 2016 being the beginning. And uh, and I'm still here. All right. I, I'm still here. Yeah. You know. Even though they were one of the worst teams ever. 
Uh, I'm kind of one of the worst hosts ever, which for a lot of reasons. But um, so when we are, you know, our buddy Andrew does these. Remember last week? I think the the screenshot, like he just sends us the schedules. There was a pile of them that I came in and I just took one off the pile, not realizing that there was a card inside too. He wrote so, you a card? He says, uh, thank you both for your years of covering the Pac-12. Your show has made following the league uh, more fun. Even though your, your schools are the ones primarily responsible for the league's breakup with my team, he's a Washington fan, being a very distant tie for third. It's not your fault, especially Dave's. Please tell all of your listeners that I would be honored to put one of these these schedules, if you're watching on our YouTube, uh, one of these in the mail for anybody who has loved this conference as much as I have. Andrew at PDAWG206, and his email is CFB Schedule Posters. So CFB Schedule Posters at gmail.com. He says, P.S. If SC doesn't win the league, that would be one for 13 in a 12-team league. That's worse. That's a worse ratio than if all 12 teams literally had taken turns. So, Andrew, thank you for the very nice card. It's got a uh, seahorse on it, so that was very cool. If you're if you're not watching on YouTube, sorry, I just wanted to read that for you. But uh, super nice of him, and I totally not even saw it. And then I was like, you know, you know, putting things away, <laughs> and I'm like, there's a card in here. I'm like, oh, okay. That's very sweet. Very sweet for Andrew. Um, so if you're interested in one of these, again, awesome schedule graphics, uh, reach out. Yeah, I love that. And uh, we got a lot to get to today. Uh, but football is back. This was week one. And man, was it a fun week. Uh, and it's got to be winning season for you over at my bookie. NFL college football, of course, the Pac-12 undefeated. And uh, my bookie has a brand new cash out system that gives you the best options to win and bet, bet and win all year long. So make sure you go check it out over there at my bookie. So if the first two legs of your parlay hit, I should have done this. You can cash out early and use the funds on another bet or let it ride to try for a bigger payday. Early cash outs are a tool that you can use to stay in control of the action over at my bookie. So to get started, go to mybookie.ag right now. Then you go register for an account. That's free. And then when you're ready to make your first deposit, just use the promo code. This is ours. And it's going to stay this way no matter what happens. Pack 12 yeah, the Pac-12 might be dying, but you can still use the promo code Pac-12. Grab a welcome bonus on the house. That's promo code Pac-12 to claim your deposit bonus. And for a limited time, a free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only at MyBookie. And I had a, I had a nice week. You uh, had a pretty good week. Um, on MyBookie. I made a mistake, which is I angered the gods yet again uh, because I began talking shit too early. Uh, I was at I was three and zero at the beginning three and zero of my Pac twelve picks through Thursday night right and so I send yeah. out and oh. so, so I send out a friendly little tweet uh, <laughs> super friendly yeah Friday morning saying wow three and zero now to check how Ryan's doing and you were one and two at that time yes uh, having picked ASU and uh, USC in the opener uh, after that point I got murdered. <laughs> I got uh, one, two, three of the remaining games correct yeah. uh, and got destroyed on every other one. So that was pretty bad. We, we, we're we right now, we're even. We're six and five, six and five each. Right. Ryan had a better week one overall. Um, yeah, I went six and four. You went five and five. I really needed Coastal Carolina to do what it did. That was very That was a half point game. Yeah, like, I really needed, you needed it. Like I had but UCLA, I will say this, yeah. The predicted margin I had on Bro's preview, exactly fourteen points. Okay, 
So, you know. There was yeah, you got lucky to only be like partially damaged from that week with that half game thing. Got very lucky. Dante. Very, very lucky. Yeah. Um, um and my big problem was underrating the Pac twelve. Yeah, if you look at overall the Pac twelve, um, I mean, everybody won, right? And this is the first time uh, you know, since nineteen eighty that a power five conference or I think a conference has been undefeated. Uh not just everyone won. All and- but one team covered. The only team that didn't cover was UCLA. Uh, no, Arizona State didn't cover either. Oh yeah, well, they don't yeah. matter. That was an FCS opponent, right? Uh, no, that that one that kind of screwed me too because we didn't even have that on the board, and you put it on, and there was a haboob going on. Like there were a couple of boards where it had it. So no, dead right. Uh, yeah. So, but of the of the haboob, by the way, very funny word. It is a very funny word. I hope I said it right. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, our picks uh, were we both took ASU, which was like, and I went to bed because there was like a three hour. We delay. did not both take ASU. I thought you said you told me you took ASU. No, I took Southern Utah. It's in the friggin' thing. No, I'm talking about our survivor picks. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was just too busy focusing on the spreads. Right. Yeah. Um. So we t- took ASU. I know there were some people that were you know, they were trying to get in on time. Someone emailed us like we don't control this. Uh, this is all Matthew. So you have to just put it in. Uh to his um the pick sheet there and I, we don't have results yet we'll probably have results uh, we do have results oh we do yeah they sent them in yeah uh 17 hours ago uh there were 350 oh, okay. well it doesn't really matter there were 356 entries and 356 people survived week one everybody survived yeah because the pac-12 survived nobody lost <laughs> so true. 139 people picked asu 84 picked cal 60 picked arizona 35 picked stanford 15, Washington State, and so on and so forth. Zero people picked Colorado. Um, and now we go into week two. Nice. All right. Uh, we'll, maybe we'll do our picks for that later in the week when we do our pick show. Yeah, yeah. We'll, so uh, I, I can't guarantee we're going to do a, two separate shows every single week. We're doing it this week. We'll maybe the first couple because there's so we'll, many games. Yeah, we'll see what we can take care of uh, scheduling-wise. Um, but so today we're going to talk a little bit of news. <laughs> And we're also going to talk about uh, recapping the games, and then we'll get into previews and stuff at the uh, other show on Thursday. Yeah. So the uh, and so here's what here's what I want to see: 356 people advanced. What I hate to see is like 14 people or 20 people didn't submit their picks. And I'm impressed that we had 356 people picking because we didn't put this out until like pretty late. So that's great. You know, kudos to all of you. But please, if you put your picks in. Make sure you put them in again. You know, we don't want you just to like go out because if you miss a week, then you're out. We don't want you to be out. We want to see, uh, we want to see you guys all in there. Scott, Scott says her boobs are not fun to be in. Jokes yeah, aside, well, come on, none of the stuff's fun to be in. But we all joke about weather events. That was really weird uh, going on there. Okay, uh, first up, we got to talk about some uh, breaking news. David Woods, uh, we didn't really use the term Calford. Calford, but that was one that was out there i kind of liked i don't are you a fan of that or not really stanifornia nobody like that i like stanifornia better i kind of like uh stankly huh stankly oh car dare could we use like cardinal bear uh burkford bear Berkford, no, Berkford sounds like the friggin' investment capital firm that they would create together. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Berkford Hathaway or some shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, yeah, we only have like $20 billion in our 
uh, fund so far. So we need to get some more of our billionaires to, to <laughs> invest. Um, yeah. So that was sort of weird. But uh, Cal Stanford going to the Atlantic Coast Conference. Uh, some people are renaming the Atlantic, like all coast conferences or whatever, like different things you could say for Atlantic Coast. But SMU is coming in as well. The last I saw was 30% of revenue share. Like that, we talked about this last week. What, the, why this would happen is because they come in, three schools come in at a full share. They only take a partial share, and then the rest of the money can go to the but other the schools. Way, but, but the way Cal phrased it is so funny. What did they say? We're coming in as a full share member, and then we are donating that money back to the league uh, over the next seven years to improve the stability of the conference. It's like, no, no, no. We are not. Uh, a dog shit program that nobody values in any way. We are California. We're getting full shares, and then we're just graciously giving it back to the league because we don't need that money. Well, uh, that's in- yeah, Cal, the one with the yes. worst. Well, some one of the worst. So, uh, uh, a few thoughts. Okay, one, Stanford can do whatever the hell it wants. It's a private school with more money than God. Whatever, do whatever you want. You're basically <laughs> SMU. That's fine. Um, Cal, uh, there's so many different weird things going on here let's start with this this is dumb as shit uh for them okay. financially probably it makes more sense to stay in the mountain west like say cal and stanford both agreed to go in the mountain west or even just cal maybe that increases payouts per school a little bit i doubt it but they'll get four million dollars a year five million dollars a year something like that right uh but they don't have to do the travel. They don't have to do this insane travel that's going to add costs. And it's one thing if you're a $60 million school like UCLA and USC are now to add $10 million in travel costs. Right. It's another thing if that's the entirety of the media revenue you're getting anyway. And uh, Carol Christ, Christ, what are we going with her last name? Do they go Christ to be polite, but it's actually spelled Christ? I think it's Christ. Yeah, but, but it's yeah. Christ. Uh, we know. <laughs> we all know. Come on. Uh, Carol Christ, uh, she... Um, was was uh, uh, basically talking about this, but the I, I just I don't really understand how they can justify this move and also think about putting Olympic sports where they're all playing all of their games in Dallas, um, which is one of the proposals on the table um, where they would just have like a hub of games where they'll play those things. So everybody goes to Dallas and then you play how does any of this work like how does any of this make sense um I, I i don't know i think it's all very stupid and then there's the other piece of it which is cal's still counting on getting money from ucla but the justifications become extremely thin if they're doing this adding so many costs why is ucla donating to cal if cal's donating to the acc well that's exactly <laughs> and the, their justification for how they did this where they said oh we're donating that money back that feels like very bad reasoning if they are still counting on money coming in from ucla um i think they should have gone down a level collected the 10 million dollars from ucla and they'd be in a better fiscal position and in a better competitive position in the mountain west than they ever will be in the acc yeah no i i agree i think this is one of those situations where it's a bad there's a bad idea going on and the only way to fix it is to start executing it and then realizing how bad it is. And I feel like that's what's going to happen with the Olympic sports that this is good. You know, 2024 is going to be crazy. Football could be awesome, right? You could see all these cool games. Yep. It could be great stuff. And I think all the Olympic sports are going to be just not in a good spot, you know? So Stanford is flying to, you know, Durham and all, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff going on. Right. And it's happen. It's going to happen in the big 10. 
um, you know, Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA, like that's going to be taxing on these sports. And I feel like that's going to be, there's going to be a lot of pushback on all, you know, but it might take a year of, of athletic competition that just doesn't work very well to do this. And they're like, okay, we got to figure something else out. And then maybe we can go to some more of a regional thing. I don't know. But I feel like this is like, everyone knows it's a bad idea going in, but it, you can't really do anything until you kind of experience the pain and then go, oh, crap, we got to do something else. So I'd lost my train of thought a little bit on what I was saying with uh, Carol Christ with joking about her last name. Uh, what I was going to say was her reasoning is also bone stupid because it's <laughs> counting on a 7 to 12 year uh, uh, time horizon for Cal starting to get full payouts from the ACC. What dumbass is looking at the state of college athletics right now and saying anything about the structure of right now is going to look at all similar enough in seven years to begin to getting paid off on this stupid deal? Yeah. You have to be looking at it as what are we getting immediately and what are we getting in the next two to three years? Because that's the only time frame that matters right now. Yeah. And if it isn't a shitload of money, you cannot do this stupid stuff. UCLA, USC, and to a lesser extent, the rest of the pack schools that went to the big 12 and the big 10 they're all getting their greed payoff like they're all getting enough money to make it worth it cal and stanford aren't stanford again can do whatever the hell it wants cal can't like this is really really stupid for cal um and it's just trying to uh still be a part of major college athletics when major college athletics has decided to pass cal by yeah um and it's just i don't think they're doing uh i don't think they're servicing uh their student athletes obviously Call them student athletes. I don't know why I'm doing that. Uh, they're athletes. Uh, they're not servicing their coaches. They're not servicing. I mean, uh, not to get all like self righteous, especially because my tongue is a little bit in cheek. But this isn't. This is a worse fiscal decision for the University of California than what UCLA did, like hmm. by far. Um, so I don't know how any of this is justified. Yeah, uh, we had a comment from Dave. Uh, Oregon State fan, let's make this interesting. How many games will Calford lose next year in the ACC? Football only, please. I mean, we'd have to look at the schedule, but... I need to see more of Cal and Stanford this year because we're going to get to it in the game recaps, but they look like they have a pulse. They suddenly. actually look a little better, so... Yeah, uh, damn. Maybe so, they won't. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Um, ACC's pretty bad. And uh, let's see. Uh, Thomas says... Um, Next college football contract is how long though? So right, so the college football, pl I'm sorry, playoff contract. So the playoff contract is only going through 2025. It's after, at 2026 and beyond, they have to write up something new. So it could be anything. They're just kind of extending what they've been doing or going along what they've been doing, but expanded it for 2024, 2025. ESPN still owns all that stuff. Um, so what Fox and you know everyone else is going to want to try to, get a part of it and you probably are going to see for 2026 and beyond similar to the NFL where everybody has games and it's not just ESPN dominating it. So that's all up in the open. Just that alone, like is David's point, the whole college football playoff landscape is going to change in two years. Like if you're talking about seven to 10 years, we're getting a payout. Like, I mean, it might be a different looking sport. Like they're, yeah. <laughs> the ball could change by then. Like who the hell knows? Um, but yeah. Uh, Jim says there's also a report out there that uh, Oregon State and Wazoo are still trying to poach Mountain West schools. And uh, the Mountain West uh, commissioner, and I forget her name, she's fairly new, uh, just started. She was speaking at, uh, I think it was the uh, 
Oregon State. Um, it was during the Oregon State uh, San Jose State game, and she was pretty like, you know, she went to the Washington State game um, when they were at Colorado State, and then she was at the San Jose State Oregon State game, and you know, both teams that could be joining the Mountain West. She didn't say like, "Yeah, we're trying to get them to join." She was just very sort of like, poli- you know, politically correct about anything. Just like we're looking at all options and stuff like that. But I think the problem is that the benefit that Oregon State, Washington State have is the entity of the Pac-12 still has more value. It would be better for teams to join that, maybe some sort of merger, and maybe she becomes the commissioner of that. I don't know. I'm not sure how that would work. But uh, if Cal, if if Oregon State and Washington State leave, apparently all that money goes to all the you know the NCAA units would go to everybody else. Like whoever earned it would get back to it, or it would be split, something along those lines. But if they stay together. Oregon State and Washington State get to split all of that money just between them. So there's value in them staying in some sort of Pac-12 world, I guess. Yeah, they've got a lot of financial things to figure out um, that will be, I think, it'll be beneficial to them, I think, at the end of the day to stay in a two-team league for a year or two because they have a um, a grace period, yeah. uh, reportedly. Uh, it's a... Bunch of money that they stand it's like sixty million dollars something I think yeah, was reporting. They or? stand uh, ready to collect. So I think from that <laughs> standpoint, don't rush into a decision because you could make a lot of money just standing in a two team league for the grace period. Yeah, Colt says over under on ten years before football becomes separate from the NCAA. I think I'll under. I'll go under. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I think there's a chance the NCAA just fully blows up. Um, and then. Kings fan says, would Stanafordia uh, be subject to the ACC grant of rights? Are they stuck uh, with this decision until 2036? Yes, they are. In like, theory, yeah. I mean, so it, that's it, how you get a full share coming in. Like you buy into this grant of rights thing. Right. My understanding is that. So yeah. you wouldn't be getting, you know, I guess the contract says that if you, if a team joins, then it's like 30 whatever million dollars more for the, for that team. But they have to be part of that grant of rights thing. So they're stuck into this for a long time. Like you, it's funny, you see a really bad contract out there that everyone knows is a bad contract, and you're like, I'll jump in, I'll 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 sign that. It's like, hey man, I'm I have this uh timeshare. It's really awful. I have to pay money every year. I never go. You're like, I'll sign can I can I join? Can I sign me up too? Right. Um, it feels like one of those things. Yep. All right. Well, why don't we do our Pac 12 roundup? That means we get to talk about games. Was there anything else we needed to get to? Or no, no, that was all the news. I think that was all the newsy kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so we have our new, and it's basically just Dave's. I just went along with it. So if you don't like it, you can complain to him. It seemed more or less right. I think it's it's there. I mean, like it's one game. Everybody won. So well, but just and, sort of and, eyeball tests. And uh, like even beyond what we thought preseason, a lot of teams looked good in winning. So it was actually very, very hard to rank these teams. I think it's difficult. And, you know, it'll shake itself out a little bit as we go. But we're going to go from 12 to 1 uh, backwards and go over the game uh, for each school. We'll tell you. What the, the spread was, who the you know who picked what, and then what happened, and we'll give our thoughts. So first up, we got number twelve, Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> ASU beat the Southern Utah Thunderbirds, uh, which I think I went with. Twenty four twenty one. As we said, there was a huge dust storm uh, in the middle of this. Also, a lightning delay. Uh, coinciding with the dust storm. Um, so this one, 
I think it was delayed such that I don't think it ended till like 1 a.m., something like that, 1.30. Wasn't it, it, was it was super late. I went to bed, so it was like Yeah, I, I, I did not I, I did not watch the end of this until the next day. And I, I got full disclosure. Like, I texted David. I'm like, I'm not buying Pac-12 Network this year. I'm just not doing it. Like, USC just played their second game on it, so they're not going to play anymore. I'm like, I'm so not going to watch it. So don't listen to Ryan on anything. Apparently, he's decided to tell you now. I'm uh, not going to watch the Pac-12 Network. I'm not getting. I'm not paying for a sling this what year. If, for what it. if USC is on the Pac-12 Network, which they will be? They're already on it twice. They're just don't, they don't have to do it anymore. So you're not. Uh, what the hell? I don't yeah. understand. I, I truly don't. Understand I go to all you. the games anyway. So unlike you, I actually go to the games that I cover. Yeah, but you can't really watch it that well from the game. No, I do the rewatch. Is yeah, I, I can't do the rewatch, which kind of sucks. But anyway. Ryan's uh, uh, counted himself out here. Uh, so big thing I would say is before the Haboob, um, Jaden Rashada, I think, looks like a guy who justified being a true freshman starter at quarterback for uh, Denny Killingham. Um, threw a beautiful deep ball. Um, looked good. Uh, I would say you can't really take all that much from this game because of the big delay and dust storm and the whole thing. They were really sloppy after they came back from that. Yeah, they scored three points after halftime. So I wouldn't take a whole lot from the actual final score, except to say this is a work-in-progress team. They've got the demotivation factor from not being bowl eligible. Um, They won't be able to go to a bowl no matter what their record is. So that's a factor. There's also just a lot of pieces trying to figure things out. I, I... I think they're going to be the worst team in the Pac-12 this year, but they're a worst team with hope. Like, I think, you know, they've got a really good quarterback who's going to develop. Um, I liked uh, Scadabo, the running back transfer they have. Um, Carlos Brooks is fine. Um, but, again, not a whole lot you can take from this. I think defensively they're still pretty bad. Um, and beyond that, it's an FCS game. You just there's there's so little you can take from it you're treating it a lot of times even if you're not a very good team as a live practice yeah uh so i'm interested to see asu as we go forward here i mean they've got oklahoma state this weekend i don't think that's going to be a great (laughs) test Uh, i think that's going to probably be a little bit ugly Uh, and then fresno state the week after that's probably not going to be great either um but you know they could maybe start to be competitive in October sometime. Um, but I think it's going to be a rough start to the season. So this was a late, you know, because of FCF school, uh, we had this at a 31 point spread. Um, I got it wrong. Dave took uh, Southern Utah on this one. Uh, obviously a three point deal. You know, when you have this crazy storm that delays the game for hours and hours, I mean, that just everything, you know, and it was a 14 point game. So ASU, you know, was, up comfortably and then wasn't able to put anything together when came back. Um, I think a lot of up and down the Pac-12 schedule you could look at, like you mentioned, like the motivation uh, factor of what, you know, are people like, hey, you know, we're left behind. Is it is Oregon State going to play well? Or Washington State going to play well? ASU, we can't go to a bowl game. Are you going to play well? I think there's sort of a combination. I wouldn't be too down on Arizona State yet. I think it's fair to have them at 12 uh, where Dave has them, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they – play well like say they play well against Oklahoma State and you're like okay they're not the 12th team like they're they're better than that um but it's concerning from that first week like you want to see being able to push people around and from some of the highlights and stuff I saw like they weren't really pushing uh an FCS school around there so like you said could be glorified practice I won't buy too much into that this is the worst team in the Pac-12 but 
the potential is there. They had the worst performance in the Pac-12 since everybody won. So I think putting them at 12 is fair. Yeah. All right. Our number uh, 11 team. Stanford Cardinal. And this is the point where we get into teams that looked good enough in week one that I really don't have any idea where to rank them. And yeah. that's so I think ASU is a specific kind of, OK, they're pretty bad where it's like they would have been in the bottom four last year. Like they wouldn't have been very good. I still think they would have been like ninth, not 11th or 12th. Um, Stanford comparable to the middle of the league last year, honestly, like they don't look they don't look like a bad team. They look like a team that has some danger to it, has a little bit of juice. So they went to Hawaii. Uh, they beat uh, Hawaii 37 to 24. Um, but really, they had control of this one pretty much the entire way. Yeah. Um, and I thought the immediate things that jump out is first, they're running tempo, uh, a lot of it. Uh, and that was just like, whoa, completely disconcerting uh, seeing Stanford running tempo. Um, Ashton Daniels, uh, I think if they continue to run him the way they did in the first half, he's not going to make it through a season. But he's a talent. I mean, he had a pretty accurate deep ball, and he can move. Um, so I think it's but, kind of surprised that he started too. But yeah, yeah. But he, I mean, he looks like the guy who should be starting. Yeah, um, no, that's yeah. Uh, and then I thought Casey Falcons took over a little bit in the second half, had a couple of nice runs. Um, but just generally speaking, they looked like they had a plan offensively. Um, they still had some of the red zone issues that we've come to expect from Stanford in the past, but they were not the same. It was just they were. They had issues punching it in. Uh, and so they had a couple of field goals within the 10. But otherwise, this would have been a bigger blowout. Yeah. Like they were they were driving a lot constantly. And then defensively, um, you know, they gave up some big passing plays later in the game. But early on, they they were fine. Uh, you know, it's not uh, it's. I mean, look, I, I, I don't think depth is good, but. Still, they've got some talent. I mean, they've got talent at receiver. I think they've got a decent enough quarterback. And then defensively, I think they've got enough nice pieces that, look, the league is going to be really tough this year, so they're going to be in the bottom half of it. But they're bottom half dangerous. Bottom half, they can beat some teams. I, no, I would agree with you. It, it looks like, you know, you have a good coach that took over a team that had a stale message for years and didn't nothing changed. And you just needed that shot in the arm. And it looked like... This Stanford Cardinal team got it. Now I think they're going to have problems, and I think some a bunch of the teams that won on Saturday for the Pac-12 will. But uh, I think it's a really good sign to come out and get a road win like that. I mean, the Pac-12 put themselves in some bad spots all weekend with road games that you shouldn't even be playing, and then took care of business. Took care of business, and uh, Troy Taylor did. He looks like you know this is a competent team. Just watching like when oh guys got lined up okay or they executed the punt right you know they did just very sim- simple very simple uh hawaii had 16 carries for negative 5 yards <laughs> like just i mean that's run defense like and that's pretty, pretty good pass defense too i thought but all but like it's um that's competent coaching up front on defense like you're 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 fitting your gaps you're not you know freelancing you're not doing stupid crap and We've gotten used to really bad Stanford defenses that just were not sound at all uh, in recent years. And to see that, I mean, even in a game against a really under-talented team, and I did not read about Hawaii at all before this game, and if I had, I would probably not have taken them to win. Uh, they're they're in, like, year two of, of year zero. Like, it's bad, bad roster. 
But even still, holding anybody to negative five yards is yeah. impressive. Even you do that in practice. And uh. Ben Eurosec is the latest in a long, long line of Stanford tight ends I don't want to look at anymore. Oh, yeah. He looks pretty good. Uh, three and a half point favorite for the Cardinals. So I took Stanford, got that one right. Dave was hating on the Bay Area schools. I was. I took, really... him, I took him to lose outright. Uh, yes. Stanford. And I told you that you know this was a shorter trip for Stanford than it was for Hawaii because they were coming from Nashville the yeah. week before. So that's a long trip. They, yeah, they weren't flying in on Friday. <laughs> Just say it. Uh, yeah. So Stanford, big win. Good win for the Cardinal. Troy Taylor getting his uh, career started. On the right foot, uh, our number 10 team. Arizona Wildcats. Wow. This is uh, so Arizona beat Northern Arizona 38 to three. This is sort of just kind of punishing them for playing in FCS. Uh, we didn't get enough information. Um, no. I thought Arizona looked sloppy early. Um, they only had, I think it was, yeah, they had four first half drives, which is kind of a common tale with uh, the, the clock rules in college football. Turned it over on downs, had a fumble. Um, I think one of their scores is a blocked field goal returned for a touchdown. Um, so they were just, they were sloppy. They were kind of a mess. Um, but I mean, Two years ago, they lost to Northern Arizona. This year, they held them to three points. Uh, Northern Arizona ran the ball 41 times for 78 yards. Um, and, you know, Kai Milner was a, a D1 quarterback. He was at uh, Cal very yeah. recently. Um, so you're facing a pretty good talent at, at uh, quarterback. One of their receivers, can't remember the name, uh, actually looked like he had some ability. Uh, oh, it might have been Coleman Owen, who had five receptions for 90 yards. He looked like a... FBS he was kind of like the only offense. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, uh, you you held a FCS opponent to three, and you looked a little disappointing doing it. But think about, I mean, if you're an Arizona fan, think about how far you've come now. Yes. Where Not losing. you beat a team by 35 at home, and you're like, eh, was that really that good? Um, so I think, you know, on one hand, you can be a little bit disappointed with some of the slop, you know, first game, uh, and it's against an under, uninspiring opponent. But on the other hand, you, you won by five touchdowns. Stop complaining. Yeah, if you're you're trying to the team's trying to run forty one times and uh, you're getting like less than two yards a carry or something like that's pretty good. And obviously, this is something Northern Arizona wanted to do. Arizona could stop it. Uh, I think we'll see a lot more, and and this could be more of the glorified scrimmage world of what's going on. But just sort of get your feet wet and then move on to uh, better competition. So yeah, it's. Arizona could be much higher than 10. Um, there was no line on this one because it's FCS school. But, yes, I think I think the reason you have them here is just because you don't know as much about them. And we know more about other teams than we do about Arizona just because they played a pretty bad team. Yeah, exactly. I would go with that. Uh, okay, our number nine team is UCLA Bruins. Yeah, so UCLA is dropping from our preseason power rankings mostly because I would say – Here's what I would say about the Coastal game. So UCLA won 27-13. to 13. Uh, Watching the rest of the Pac-12 this weekend, I would say 10 of the Pac-12 teams would have scored at least 35 points against Coastal. Yeah. Uh, UCLA only managed 27. I think the offense is going to have some issues until a decision is made at quarterback uh, to... Until the decision is made at quarterback to go with freshman Dante Moore. Um, if you watched the game... He looked a lot better. Yeah, I mean, Ethan Garbers came in, and his first series, he moved him downfield fine, threw a touchdown pass, looked okay. Then his second series was going fine. He throws a pick in the end zone. From that pick on, so before that, I, I had him at 7 of 10 for 102 yards. 
from that point on, he was three of seven for 19 yards and two interceptions. Yeah. Um, lost. And if you're watching the game, just like looking at his eyes, looking at his body language, he just looked like he'd lost. The confidence was 100 percent of his confidence yeah. was missing throws. J. Michael Sturdivant, you know, their big time receiver. He was like throwing up his hands because Garbers was missing him so bad. <laughs> It wasn't good. Um, then Dante Moore comes in for his first series, and his first series was, you know, kind of those nuanced things that you watch for. But he was doing scramble drill stuff that I'm not going to say it, it didn't look at all like Caleb Williams, but it looked like a vet quarterback, like yeah. moving around in a pocket, uh, making things, making buying time with his legs for a receiver to get open, and then connecting on a scramble drill with J. Michael Sturdivant. Um, didn't look like a true freshman. Then he goes through his full progression uh, to get it to Carson Steele, the running back out of the backfield for the touchdown. Um, but then his second series uh, was kind of the the use case for Dante Moore that I was making uh, a couple weeks ago on the broadcast for why you would take him over Ethan Garbers. It, he drops back on his first play on his second series, which didn't come until the fourth quarter. Uh, J. Mike uh, beats his corner off the snap um running a deep post and dante throws it and like to describe it as a perfect pass honestly doesn't even do it justice it was the best touch i've seen from a ucla quarterback throwing a deep ball probably in my lifetime uh but it hit j mike just perfectly in the hands perfectly in stride uh such that he didn't have to break stride at all and the cornerback was like still kind of with him at that point if he'd had to slow down at all he would have been tackled um, but instead, it was a 62-yard touchdown. For that was me, pretty. That was really pretty. For me, it's over. For me, the competition is done. You go with the freshman and you go forward. There's other concerns. There's locker room stuff. There's like Ethan Garbers is well-liked on the team. He's been on the team for a while. But I think everyone, including guys on the team, could see what we all saw in that game. Um, so anyway, that was the main issue offensively is that they probably played Ethan Garbers too much. And if they played Dante Moore the whole game, they probably scored the 35-plus and were not, you know, kvetching about this as much a couple other small notes i won't go into the whole deep thing but uh running back i think they made the wrong choice carson Steele is fine tj harden's much better they put carson Steele more uh j mike is the best receiver you've always had in at least 25 years um where did he come from uh cal oh yeah it was cal yeah yeah. cal where he caught uh 60 balls for like 765 yards because that offense was terrible he's gonna like be a 1200 receiving yard guy this year at least um and then defensively i thought they were improved I thought the front seven was really good uh they had a bunch of offsides calls six of them in the game but they got a lot of pressure and so i take it as you're gonna have some offsides calls when you're trying to pin your ears back that was a lot of it was a lot they should be at like two or three but they were at six um but they got 10 tackles for loss and four sacks um secondary is bad i mean the corners the corners are, are really really rough and they don't have a lot of options so that's Bit of a concern heading into Pac-12 play in a couple of weeks. This was weird because you're watching the game. The Chanticleers looked like they were should have been scoring a lot more points. They were moving the ball, and you're just like, what's going on? But, you know, I think UCLA's defense came up with the big sort of negative plays that would help uh, thwart drives. They got some – I mean, this, this was a, a offense that didn't turn the ball over a lot. How many interceptions did UCLA have? It was like three Two. or something. Two, yeah, but they were, like he had two of all last year. You Coastal know? Carolina, the, that quarterback had eight in his career. Yeah. Heading into that game. So two total. Uh, but it just seemed like UCLA was sort of hanging on for dear life and then had a real chance to sort of put things away. Dante Moore threw that pick in the end zone. I think Chip Kelly was not happy about – he had a funny comment about the uh, – because they only had four drives, I think, in the first half. And he's like, hope the 
Hope you're making a lot of money on those commercials or something like that. Okay, side note about that. That was kind of funny. I I started asking Chip about the new clock rules a year ago. Uh, He's aware of the new clock rules, and there were lots of studies about the clock rules and what it would happen. Like, if you were reading any of the articles about the statistical analysis, everyone was saying, you're going to lose about 5 to 10% of plays. You're going to lose about 5 to 10% of drives. you got to build that into your you know calculations to act like it's a huge surprise that you only got four drives in the first half and to not like have i don't know prepared for that idea (laughs) we saw so many teams this weekend go super high tempo we saw stanford do it we saw tcu and colorado both do it which resulted in a game that looked not unlike a lot of games we've seen in the past but you have to adjust to it if you want to if you want to still run you know 70 plays 75 plays you do have to adjust are you going to run higher tempo okay and if not are you going to run a more high-risk, high-reward defensive style that gets your defense off the field more so you can run more plays? But you have you don't just get to like whine about it after the fact. I mean, this has been known for a long time. Um, so I thought that was like funny, but also was this a surprise? Yeah. Was it really? It shouldn't be shocking. It shouldn't be a surprise. It's, it's sort of a protest of the uh Yeah, and the rule change, if you wanted to say, hey, I think this rule change is stupid, um, but like the way he presented it as if it was like I didn't realize. I didn't realize. It's like, that's not a great look. No. Um, so I would say, and he also said, um, I think he was sort of defending. He was trying, like, they, he was asked about Dante Moore, and he kind of went back to, he said, you know, that um, interception, he was pressured or whatever. But then he said the same thing about Garbers, like his two picks, there was pressure on Not the two. first one. So the first one was definitely a Garbers fault. The other two, yes. Uh, both quarterbacks were feeling a lot of heat. Uh, when he was talking about the Dante Moore one, he deflected and s- took the blame on himself and said that was a you know that was a really bad miss by the play caller. I'm going to have a word with him. He of course is the yeah play he's caller. the play caller yeah. Um, but that's I, it. Sounds like he doesn't want to make a decision is what my, I'm getting. I think at. Like, so or, or doesn't want to announce one or whatever. Talking today, he was he was available today for media. I my read on it. This is my guess. My guess. Uh, it's not based on information. Just kind of. The way he set up Garbers to start was he didn't say, that's my starter, that's my quarterback. He said he's going to take the first snaps okay, um, because he's got the most experience. I think where it's open now is, well, he can start Dante Moore on Saturday and say, well, no, this was always the plan. We were going to alternate these guys. We're going to start him, and then Garbers is going to play. Isn't there a third guy, too, that was supposed to get Yeah, actually, but he's going to be a situational guy. He's like a runner, Okay, um, but whatever. Uh, those two guys are the main competition, Moore and Garber. So I think my guess for what happens this weekend is Moore starts, Garber still gets time. Okay. And I think you can kick that can down the road one more week doing that. But if Moore goes out there and shows out to the same extent and Garber's has some of the same issues, I don't think you can kick it another week after that. I think you've got to name a starter for NC Central. Uh, beat up on the FCS school, get some live practice, full reps for the starting quarterback, and then have him ready for, you know, being the guy for Utah. Yeah. Uh, this I can't believe that UCLA almost covered this because they I don't think they had any business being that close. They kicked like two field goals late to make it a 14-point game, and it was a 14.5 points per So David got it right. I had UCLA minus 14 and a half. Got that wrong. It, it came down to that Dante Williams pick in the end zone otherwise. Uh, but they, yeah... I, the fact that it was a one, you know, a half point, it was pretty weird. Bizarre uh, game. It was very bizarre. Um, okay, our number eight team, California Golden Bears. And this is the point where it like really does get weird and wonky because I mean, 
if you were being like completely fair minded, I think any of the next five teams could be in any order that you No, wanted. I agree. Yeah. Like uh, it's it's just kind of here's the main takeaway. Um I predicted North Texas to beat Cal and instead Cal beat the shit out of North Texas. <laughs> like they were favored by six and a half. They won by thirty seven points, fifty eight twenty one. Good God. Um, from the jump, uh, Cal's offense just looks like an entirely different beast. Jake Spavital, uh, aside from Deion Sanders, maybe the best offseason hire in the entire league. Seems like it. Uh, just freaky. Uh, here's the main thing. They lost their starting quarterback in like the first quarter. And then like, what is a Ben Finley? Ben Finley comes in, throws for 280 yards, throws a pick. But honestly, he should have thrown for more touchdowns. He looked great out there. Uh, and then they also ran the ball like gods. Uh, Jaden Ott, two touchdowns, uh, had a beautiful 66-yard. He had like 160-something yards in the first half. Yeah, like, just It was like, what? Blew through <laughs> and straight past the entire defense. Um, defensively, I mean, after the first half, they were lights out, literally. Uh, it was a shutout in the second half for Cal's defense. Um, this was, once again... Rush defense, uh, 27 carries for 41 yards for North Texas. Uh, again, another team with a very considerable pulse uh, where it's like, okay, anybody who was counting Cal as a gimme win probably think different thoughts now uh, because that's a team that has some real danger to it. Jeremiah Hunter is a really good receiver. Monroe Young uh, made a bunch of nice catches in this one. Um yeah, I I I'm uh I am sold on that offense. I think at the very worst Cal is going to get like the the fun parts of the Sunny Dykes years this year and we'll see where it goes from there. Uh yeah, you got this one like way 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 wrong. Super like, this wrong. This should be like two or three. Yeah, I should for. actually take four losses for that one. <laughs> uh I took Cal. I told you, talk to my buddy who's a staffer over there and he was pretty confident he's like, yeah, we're going to beat if we don't beat this team it's going to be a problem. Um, they did bring, you know, they'd lost a lot. We talked to Jackson Moore, but they, they brought in a good transfer class too. They brought in some good guys and you mentioned, I forget the quarterback's name. Was it Jackson? Like the, they, it was a really athletic quarterback. Um, I didn't get to start watching this till the second quarter and he wasn't in. So he got hurt early on in the first quarter and they, the offense was still very effective. And there was, uh, I think when the game was still sort of in doubt and, uh, I believe it was like a fourth and two play from like the 25 and just, boom rolling people over running in for a touchdown and it just seemed like Cal could get what they wanted um they were playing a team that you know like a directional type of school and they just ran over them uh to score 50 points first time they've done that since Sonny Dykes was the head coach there back in 2016 so that's pretty uh pretty impressive that they were able to to pull that off um I did I did a bunch of uh did well on my my bookie bets, but the one that kind of I did I took it under for the Cal game. I took Cal to win and cover, but I took the under. I thought there just wouldn't be that high scoring game, and they blew the over away uh, just on their own. You know, they they scored a ton of points, and uh, you know, putting up a fifty burger from Cal on the road. I mean, none of us would have expected that, but um, yeah, they look like a team that's not. When we did our picks preseason, like I just thought there was going to be some doormat type of teams and really good teams at the top, which would have made a great year for the Pac-12, right? It would have been really exciting to have six ranked teams battling it out. This will probably be more exciting that you have a lot of upset opportunities. There's a real upset opportunities. Like a lot of people I think could lose to Cal. 
A lot of which uh, I didn't think and, would be the case. And we're at number eight, guys. Like <laughs> this is this is a devastating league this year. Hey, uh, shout out to Fred Hill. Uh, threw us ten bucks in the oh. chat. Uh, in the super chat, I put it up there. Yeah, how about Colorado? Well, we're getting to Colorado. Colorado's a little bit higher. Hey, we're we're at number eight. We haven't talked about Colorado yet. Yeah, think about that, guys. Think about, think about the team that was losing by thirty last year in every single game and only beat Cal. Amazing. We've, we've already talked about. Thank you. That's an awesome super chat. So thank you so much uh, for doing that. So yeah, I got that one right. Um, Doofus next to me did not. Doofus. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, we have our number seven team. Washington State Cougars. In fairness, these two I could have flipped. I could have put Cal uh, uh, where uh, Washington State is and put Washington State where Cal is. It's just they felt like very similar things. Often significantly improved from a year ago uh, and beat up on a uh, group of five school on the road. Um, and... Washington State, I think it was just because my estimation of them was higher preseason, so I didn't feel like punishing them relative to Cal. Uh, But so Cam Ward, I thought, had some of the same issues, but the positives far outweighed the negatives in this one. Like, yeah, there was still, you know, a couple of sacks and they were still kind of, you know, taking a negative play. Uh, But three touchdowns, 49. And this is mainly probably the main one for me. 49 attempts for 451 yards. That is the ratio of a really good quarterback not taking a bunch of dump offs not taking a bunch of check downs but hitting big throws uh, making big things happen in the receiving game Uh, and also he ran the ball really well Um, he accounted for four touchdowns himself Uh, and then defensively um, you know it was late in the game when this at all became you know a respectable score it they finished 50 to 24 uh, but 21 of those points were allowed in the fourth quarter this game was over Yes. Uh, when they were uh, allowing these kind of big chunk plays, uh, they uh, abused Clay Millen um, in this game, uh, Colorado State's quarterback, uh, and kind of a theme uh, really shut down the running game. Uh, yeah. Again, 20, good run defenses across yeah, the board. 20 carries for Colorado State, 37 yards. Again, Washington State, it's another team where it's like, well, if they actually figured out their offensive issues and Cam Ward did make a big leap in performance from last year. Washington State is suddenly dangerous. Washington State's dangerous in a way that, you know, last year I would have described them as pretty boring. You know, a decent enough defense, pretty mediocre offense. If the offense has taken a leap and the defense is still pretty decent, then, again, that's a dangerous team. That's a dangerous team to play in Pullman, but it's also a team that can score some road upsets. I thought they could be like a 6-7, you know, in the middle that could beat almost anyone above them, but potentially lose to people below them. And I feel like what what I saw, and I don't know if you noticed this, David, but the the Cameron Ward at the quarterback spot, like, threw the ball that didn't go to the line of scrimmage all the yeah, time. Yeah, no, it, it, wasn't, went, it wasn't that way or that way. <laughs> it it went, was more that way. Yeah, there, there was some of that, which yeah. if you watched them against Fresno State last year in the bowl game, and you still are pissed off about it, like I was. You would take Colorado <laughs> State and the points. How do we get? We got like eleven points there. Yeah, we were both wrong. Uh, we both both took uh, Colorado State and the points there. Washington State, very competent on the road. Looked like they put it all together. Uh, I I think when you when you watch like a Georgia like dominate somebody. I'm not saying that I'm not comparing the two, but like what, there's like hallmarks, and I think you pointed it out. Like all right, so you're like old miss and you're like okay i'm gonna try to run the ball against georgia and it just gets shut down I'm like okay well 
third and nine, I'm trying to throw a pass, and it's just really hard to to do stuff with it. When you shut down the run, I know it's old school football, but it you're really kind of like strangling. Now you might have an opponent just can throw the ball all over yeah. the place, but if you're shutting down the run, then it makes it. And we've just seen so many Pac-12 teams this weekend do that. You're that's it's a hallmark of I'm dominating this game, and Washington State dominated this game. Maybe it was a uh, audition uh, with you know the Mountain West, you know, to have Washington State playing a Mountain West school, Oregon State playing a Mountain West school, and beat the, the hell be, and, and just, beat the absolute hell out of both right. of them. And maybe those schools are questioning, like, do we really want these teams in our league? Like, do we want to do this? Because yeah. um, it's the uh, the Rorschach and uh, the Watchmen. You know, you're not. I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. Yeah. Um, ZZ Utopia says. Uh, Cam Ward wants to make me rip my hair out. Yeah, he still does do some frustrating <laughs> things. I'm not going to say those are completely gone. He's just, he's obviously better. I just didn't want to see like every single pass go to the line of scrimmage. Like yep. it was unbelievable. This, this next one I think is honestly controversial because they, they probably could and should be higher. Uh, West Texas Mike says Monday, September 4th, 2023, when talking about Wazoo, Ryan likened them to <laughs> Georgia. <laughs> No, that is Pac-12, baby. That is the Yogi Roth influence on uh, on Ryan Abraham. That is not a direct core. Like it's just what does Georgia do when they dominate? Ryan Yogi Roth Abraham. Yes, right just here. The, the huge hawk. I did pick a lot of Pac-12 teeth. This was a good week for me to go back the pack on my picks. Yeah, it was. It was a very good week uh, for that. Okay, you know who we still haven't talked about yet? We're already the top half. Like the perennial bottom dweller for the last decade or more and honest to god they should be higher we could have I, I was surprised you put them here but number six is colorado buffalo i'm gonna put up fred hill's uh comments again since he wanted to well how about colorado right now colorado in fairness this is stupid like i think the problem is a lot of teams looked good in week one and i am still like you know kind of waiting uh on colorado just a little bit I do believe, though, uh, uh, Coach Prime. I do believe. Um, He's so, got receipts. Uh, Colorado beat TCU 45-42. It was a fun-as-hell game. Like, the whole way through, just super, super fun. Uh, Colorado looks awesome. Uh, main thing, starting at a high level, um, got big uh, 2012 UCLA vibes from Colorado. Um, very similar, like, change of culture. Um, guys playing with their hair on fire motivation out the ass what i was impressed by was just how ready this team was for this game you could see it literally from the opening kickoff the way they cover the opening kick was just flying down the field like fly tackling at the guy um throughout the game uh every defensive series and this defense i mean they they allowed 42 points it's not like it's great but gang tackling, swarm tackling, guys just pursuing the play from way on the backside. Um, the energy level defensively was just so impressive. And I know they're not deep, and I know that could get them worn out over time. But the motivation of this team from the coaches, uh, I, that's an A+. A++. Uh, offensive scheme, uh, Sean Lewis... Uh, Sean Lewis is a guy. He's a dude. Um, the Kent State uh, head coach that they hired, offensive coordinator. Uh, just a really, really well-schemed offense. 
And that's just talking about like just kind of generics. When you get into the actual players, uh, Shadur Sanders is already a top four quarterback in this league. Um, I think it's some combination of Phoenix, Knicks, um, Caleb Williams, and Shador Sanders, probably fourth. Uh, he's really, really good. Very, very accurate. Um, every single ball he threw felt like it was went exactly where it needed to go, hit his receiver in the hands, hit him in stride, hit him with room to run. Uh, he was really, really good. He threw for 510 yards on 47 throws four touchdowns um and then probably the big headline is travis hunter who played both ways played like an insane number of snaps something over 100 uh i think it was 120 129 is what Dion said i don't know if that's right and i think uh pro football focus had him at 144 or something that's insane um i don't know like uh so shotgun spryling does the tracking of all this stuff for like he counts all the plays pro football focus they count like penalty plays and stuff so there's probably a little bit of inflation he was looking at like a dory jackson like a couple of times went over 100 back in the day like damian mama do some special teams he had over 100 like to get over 100 plays in a game is like super rare and i think miles jack uh they he made it did it a couple times at ucla yeah to have like a hundred over 130 is is at and, least but the thing insane. is it, it's not just 130 it's 130 while being your team's best corner and best receiver. Yeah. I mean, he caught, it's not like, oh, he's moonlighting and playing a couple of plays at receiver. He caught 11 balls. He was targeted way more than that uh, for 100 and, almost 120 yards. Uh, and there were a couple of deep bombs. He dropped, that, a, he dropped a deep bomb. And then there was another one that was just a little bit long on him. Yeah. Uh, he could have gone for well over 200 yards in this game and a couple of touchdowns. Uh, freak. Uh, and then at corner, I mean... I thought he started a little slow, actually. Uh, but as the game wore on, like they should, they should definitely have stopped throwing to him. I mean, he had a pick, uh, and yeah. he, he was starting to abuse uh, the receivers he was matched up against. He was really good. Dylan Edwards at running back was really good. I liked him a lot. Um, he got a little dinged up early. I don't know what to think about Anthony Hankerson. He's, like, he's going to be like the freshman of the week, I think, for the Pac-12. Right? Yeah, he's yeah. a freshman, I believe. Right? Yes. Um, so he was really good. Uh, and then defensively, again, just the gang tackling was what stood out to me. But winning this 45-42, uh, real statement. I have no idea how good TCU is, but I, I I don't think they're dropping down to like an under 500 team. I think they're still a quality opponent. And you beat a quality opponent on the road in your first game by three points with a completely revamped roster. Colorado's going to be good this year. How good is anyone's guess? But Because this Pac-12 is going to be tough. But yeah. they're, I mean... I look at that and I say they're probably a bull team at minimum now. So Dion's a polarizing figure. I definitely don't like that there's people that just don't like him because he's different or whatever. You like college football. Like we're here because we love college football. Dave mentioned the opening kickoff. When you watched this team come in against a team that is obviously well coached, that went to the national championship game last year, that beat Michigan in the playoff the first time really a little guy's won a playoff game. Yeah, they lost a bunch of pieces, but you're not, you're a well coached team if you could do what TCU did last year in year one, right? Of a, a new coaching regime. And Colorado by far looked like the better coach team. Deion Sanders, his staff had those guys ready. And the roster looked better than I thought. Like I picked, like David was trolling me saying I picked this team to go two and 10. Yeah, like that's, that's going to happen. Like, I think this is going to be a bowl team now. 
you're not overreacting to things going on here, but I thought this was what Colorado would look like next year, maybe, where they're just like, hey, they can really beat some people. It's just going to take a little while. It's not. And, you know, he's told everybody this. You know, we come in, I'm checking receipts. I Do I like what he's doing, like calling out reporters and stuff? Not really, but whatever. I mean, he's going to do his own thing. Um, I'd like to put more of the emphasis on the kids than him, but you cannot argue that this is a well-coached team that the players were ready, that the roster might not be deep, but there's enough playmakers there that you can do something like this and win an exciting game. This was huge for college football, huge for the Pac-12. It was great to see what was going on. Uh, Shador Sanders, did you know he was going to be a 500-yard you know, t- you know, know, passer against a, a Power 5 team on the road? No, but he was. And uh, Travis Hunter, you know he's amazing. Didn't know he could be that amazing, and I don't know if he can keep it up. Like, no one's done that, especially Colorado's playing at altitude, right? So can he do that 140 snaps or something in Boulder? I don't know, but I'm not going to say you can't. Um, I feel like, you know, when we talked to Adam Munster-Tiger and he thought this team was 6-6, six and six, his big caveat was if Shador Sanders goes down, they don't have anybody behind him. So. Yeah. There's, I think if Travis Hunter gets hurt or Sherdor Sanders gets hurt, I think there's a few people on this team that if they get hurt, the whole season could be disrupted, you know, disrupted, but they look way more competent than I thought. Um, This was a fun, 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 fun game. This is awesome for college football. And it shows that Deion Sanders is not just a guy that can get talent and he's going to get even more talent. Uh, than this oh my all, god all the coaches i think the athletic did a story where they asked like every coach and they were all like yeah this isn't gonna work and there and i think it was i forget who did the story it might have been uh Stuart mandel or something but you know he tweeted something he got a text he's like the coach said i was wrong like they know they're like okay I, and i get it i was in the same boat i'm just like i just i thought he would be good i thought he'd be a really good coach i just thought it would take a little while nope he's he's doing it right away I feel like this is now, you know, I would have to revise my preseason thing to be, this is going to be like a six and six type of team. I do think the depth and stuff over time, it's going to be hard to do, but not counting anything out he could do. Could he make a run? And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying this is impossible. He can do it. He, what he did on that, that was insane and uh very impressive. Uh, it's going to be fun, fun to see what happens uh, this coming week. Uh, you know, when they're playing at home and that stuff, but man, just great for college football. A lot of fun. Loved, loved all of it. And I, I will, uh, I just want to add one thing about Dion because I'd never seen him coach a game before. I, I admittedly never watched Jackson state. Um, it was not at all what I expected. Like, uh, the amount. So first team was super disciplined, like, and like, I guess, I was thinking, okay, it's he's a recruiting guy. He's a guy who's going to recruit the hell out of the job and hire some good guys. But it's, you know, there'll be that kind of, oh, it's just a bunch of talented guys going out there, roll the ball out, like, you know, that sort of thing. Not that at all. Um, really well-schemed, really smartly schemed on both sides of the ball. Like, okay, what you said about the quarterback, think about this. Shador Sanders, I don't think he had a designed run in this game. They're not going to run him. They're just going to throw him. No, you can't. Yeah, because they don't have any depth. But like, that's that's really good coaching. Yeah. Um, and then the amount of like hugs on the sideline, ass slapping on the sideline, like a lot of like really encouraging coaching. And then even after the game, yeah, he did the you know kind of um, you believe in stuff, but like turned the spotlight almost immediately to his players. Like put it on Travis Hunter, put it on Shador Sanders, and I think. 
you know, there's there's a there's this idea of Deion Sanders, and then I think there's this reality of him. And do, I don't like um, the very specifically when he was uh, forcing a bunch of guys out that he, like there were reports that he didn't even know the kid's name that yeah. sort of thing. I didn't like that, but everything else I'm seeing is this guy's a a really good coach. Yeah, like I think he's a transformative figure for college football in probably some very good ways. Because if you're going to recreate a roster and you're going to be this kind of coach, I mean, that is a model. But I don't know that many people can do it the way he does. And um, again, we're talking about one of the best college, we're talking about one of the best football players of all time. I mean, the football IQ is really, really strong. And to uh, be that kind of guy and then hire who he's hired and run the schemes he's running, um, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think the sky is actually the limit for uh Deion Sanders at Colorado especially the way he can recruit I mean it's if I if I'm you know a subscriber to Buff Stampede hey you, you out there if you're listening to this and you are a Colorado fan UCLA fan USC fan but any fan of a Pac-12 team uh sign up right now because through tomorrow at 9 p.m pacific you can get 50 percent off uh, an annual subscription to your 247 site of choice uh, so that's again fifty three bucks, I think, for the entire year. So if you're getting excited about your Pac twelve team, which you should, yes, uh, you should subscribe to your site. So many great people doing great work. I want to shout out Adam Munster Tiger because he has been through the wilderness of some terrible Colorado teams, Holy and I cow. think he is right now on the precipice of Colorado getting back to greatness here pretty quick. And I think it's one of those things where, yeah, did you like the way he ran off some of the players, or do I like that the he like called out like a reporter in the press conference and it's not the reporter's job to like believe in you, whatever, but, but it's a thing. It's like, it's a, you have this chef that's going to make an amazing Michelin star dinner. And there's a reason it comes together for a reason. And there, there's, you know, there's a lot of decisions that go into that. And you can go in and Nick, pick, I don't like that. I don't like that. But if you're starting to, if you're telling that chef to do something differently, like the whole meal isn't going to be as good. Like, uh, people, I had people complaining about Lincoln Riley. Oh, they should get under center more and stuff. I'm like, why are you, Nick? Like, maybe you should, but he's painting this big picture. He has his own vision. Dion has his own vision. You can't like nitpick little parts of it. If the whole, if the the resulting, um, you know, what the product that he's giving you is amazing, anyone that's good at their job, like, there's going to be things along the way. You're like, you could nitpick yep. little decisions, but it's not going to make the whole thing better. Yeah. And we do have this comment um, from uh, Northeast Ohio Boise State fan. Let's hold off on the whole praising Dion. If TCU finishes six and six. Doesn't matter. So hundred percent doesn't matter. Does not matter. If you watch the team, if you actually watch the game, you know what you saw. Yeah. Um, and this TCU is the, might not be that good, but this is still really impressive. Compared to what you just saw last year. They were the worst team ever. It's a different it's an entirely different sport they're playing. Like I, I don't want to go too hard on this because we've got to. I mean, we've got five more teams to go through, and yeah. then we got to get the hell out of here. But um, uh, Colorado, what they're doing is obvious and translatable beyond just the simple opponent they're playing. If you fly around and gang tackle the way they're gang tackling, if you have a quarterback who is accurate the way Shador Sanders is accurate, if you have a receiving core that's that talented, we didn't even talk about Jimmy Horn, who was awesome in this game. Uh, but Travis Hunter, really good. If you've got these pieces, it really doesn't matter. Like, you're going to win games. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it's six this year. 
But also maybe it's nine. I, I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Like I really don't know. And maybe for that purpose, it depends how good TCU is. If TCU is eight and four, then yeah, I could talk myself into nine. If they are six and six, maybe it's more like six. But whatever the thing is, this team has a pulse. Anybody watching can tell it has a pulse. And those people watching, a lot of them are five-star recruits around the country because Dion has already gotten his foot in the door with a lot of those recruits. Yeah. Um, it's... What they have going is is one of the best things in college football. I don't think the Big 12 is going to like it. <laughs> no, I don't think so at all. <laughs> uh, all right, number five. Utah Utes. Yeah, boring old Utah. Uh, in the Thursday game uh, with a pig farmer at quarterback, uh, beat Florida 24-11. to 11. I think this is uh, – they're victims of the game being early in the week. I think they're victims of the fact that it was kind of ho-hum and that they just kind of uh, parked the bus after, you know, two and a half quarters, basically. And Florida's kind of ass. And Florida's super assy, <laughs> and Graham Mertz is a terrible quarterback. Um, but this was a, I mean, to do, again, Utah, the, the line dropped from like Utah minus nine to like Utah minus four at, at basically kickoff. What did we get this one? At? I don't know what the, we had it at. Uh, uh, we had it at four and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, be- when it basically got out that Cam Rising was not going to play. Because we picked it on Thursday, so it um, would come down. We both took Utah, obviously. Yeah, but this was 24. 24- oh, we both took Colorado in the last one. Yeah, like minus 20 and a half. We this both- was 24 to 3 yeah. entering the final quarter. I mean, it finished 24 to 11. Yeah. But, Flor- but Florida was never in any danger of winning this game. Uh, no. Utah controlled it. I thought defensively, again, kind of the story of the, the season, 21 carries for 13 yards for Florida could not run the ball no. uh utah with and utah was down a ton of guys down their best defensive linemen uh down just Keith cam rising play. cam rising didn't play just so many guys out um and they still completely controlled this game from basically just kickoff to the final whistle um Bryson Barnes was fine Nate Johnson came in and had an explosive run uh yeah, for a touchdown um I can see why he's not starting. I can see why he's not yeah. playing the quarterback reps because he's still pretty inaccurate. And I think some of the stuff with, you know, understand what they're doing offensively is maybe still a little bit, you know, down the road for him. But that's a lot of upside there. And when he was out there running past Florida DBs, when was the last time you saw a Utah player running past SEC speed? Um, that was that was something to see. Uh, and Bryson Barnes was fine. You know, he hit that big throw early uh, and then that just kind of managed the game after that. But I thought he was fine. Um, uh, but uh, look, Utah didn't run the ball very well. Jaquindon Jackson uh, really got nothing going. Um, but I don't have too many complaints about their performance. Again, we don't know how good Florida is. I have a feeling they're going to be kind of bad this year. They look kind of bad. But... Um, but to do that with so many guys down, I don't think you knock Utah too hard down. They're still fifth, and we had them preseason, what, like third? Fourth, third or fourth, I think. So we did knock them down a little bit, but that's more a product of other teams being really good. I think it's sort of a, uh, to be the champ, you got to beat the champ, so we're not, we're not going to knock them pretty much any further than that until they start looking bad. No, it's just, they looked very competent. They was a very Utah game. To have... Like, if you just gave a list of, like, what would the line have been if they everyone knew all the players that were out? Like, it would have been even closer, you know? Um, and Utah still, it didn't matter that you had star players or key pl- guys playing key roles, not playing. It's like, okay, we just do our thing. You got our system and move forward with it. So, I really impressive. Um, you know, we'll talk about when they go, like, Baylor looks, they Baylor, Baylor already lost. 
another team that I thought might have a few extra losses there because the schedule's really tough. But the way they looked in week one, uh, I mean, it's not you're not going to count this U team out. Like they could easily go three peat, you know, and win the conference again. So uh, well, and with the, how assy Baylor looked on Saturday. Getting through non-conference three and zero is not looking like it's going to be the chore we thought it might be. No, we thought it'd be tough. Yeah, they already and, beat Florida. And if they get through three and zero, and then say get Cam rising back for UCLA, they can make a run. You can start talking about Utah as okay, maybe yeah. a potential playoff team again. So I mean, Utes never count them out, obviously. But that was a big win. That was a good. That started like the Pac-12 off with the weekend really great. You know, because yeah. this was not. You do, if you watch any of this game, you weren't like, wow, well, Florida, if they just – that one play back – no, there wasn't anything like that. It was like they were not going to win this game. Uh, next up, we got number four. Oregon Ducks. Didn't watch a snap of this game. Not going to talk about it. 81-7, to Oregon beat Portland State. That's disgusting. Uh <laughs> uh yeah i mean uh they barely uh missed a pass uh bo nix was 23 of 27 for three touchdowns uh well over 10 yards uh per attempt uh bucky irving who's on my college fantasy team uh four carries for 119 yards he averaged uh almost 30 yards a carry uh two touchdowns jordan james also good in a backup role um literally don't have another another did, word i mean you do what you're it. supposed to do against an overmatched team uh i was watching just continued just continued to beat the shit out of yeah, the entire game i was watching like so it would be on the press box a little bit so you would just kind of look up i got to see a lot of scores because if you looked up you're probably going to see a score uh but yeah not much to say about this i mean it's it's positive like you saw kenny you know killing kenny dillingham wasn't there anymore is the offense going to be good you can't say it's going to be good. It's going to be good. You're not going to say the, it's bad after the, this. Yeah, it's going to be good. Whether it's going to be great is anyone's guess still because Portland State, dog shit, and uh, they they scored 81 on them. I mean, um, that's really good. Now can we see it against a real team? Brian Small says that they pulled the starters after 74 points. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure that was the, the thing. There. Okay, we got our number uh, three team. Washington Huskies. <laughs> Given the quality of the opponent, this might have been the actual best win of the early Pac-12 season. We dropped them from one to three for beating a good team by a lot. And so this is the reason. So first, um, super impressive. I just just went with David's picks. First, super impressive win. Uh, They looked really good. Uh, Michael Penix, uh, five touchdowns. um, Slow start to the game. Uh, Looked a little bit John Donovan-y on offense in the first quarter. Uh, and then just absolutely blew him away from that point on. Uh, Just it's so funny because, you know, we got so used to watching boring Washington's offense uh, for the last uh, before last year, like the previous like three or four seasons where I'm like conditioned to like, oh, I got to watch Washington. Um, (laughs) And then I'm watching them. I'm like, wait, this is exciting and fun again. Like, this is actually really cool. Uh, Michael Penix throwing vertically. This is awesome. Um, they've got a lot of weapons offensively. Uh, Roma Dunze, Jalen Polk, uh, Jalen McMillan, uh, probably the best of the lot. Uh, but there's like so many guys who are really, really good in that receiving core. Um, and you've got Phoenix starting on the ball. The the and defensively, I thought they were great. Um, you know, I think there were. This was not a shutdown rush defense, but also Boise State. I think is one of the better opponents that anybody played this weekend. So I think they're actually pretty good, and they held this close for a while until kind of Washington exploded on them. Um, the reason I don't have Washington higher is that they really don't have a running game, and I'm not sure they're going to have one this year uh, with, I think it's Cam Davis, uh, who got hurt 
preseason. Um, and that's the point where I'm just, I'm not ready to go whole hog on them until they can show me that they can uh, run the ball relatively consistently because I think teams will start to adjust to the idea that it's just going to be, you know, Phoenix raining balls on them. Yeah, um, th- but you don't want to take away from this win. Like, we don't. I don't know how great Boise State's going to be, but this is one of those, this is a team people thought there could be an upset, right? Like, oh, maybe Boise's going to be good here, and... Washington had zero trouble with them. And I think when you're... I won't say zero. Early on in this game, it was competitive. It okay. was uh, Basically, once the offense got in a rhythm throwing the ball, it was over. But it took a while. I think sometimes you see prolific offenses do that, though. And then, yeah. th- then they stretch their legs and it's just like, okay, now you're just running away. But I wanted to see the teams that we have as the the ranked teams, the upper echelon team, the, basically the top five or six in the conference really just sort of take care of business. And I think that's what we saw Washington do here. I don't know without a run game or if the run game, like if you're going to be able to win all of these. Um, But I think they can win a lot. I mean, uh, I think Penix is number two in the Heisman poll or whatever right now, just he's going to put up a crap ton of yards and points and touchdowns and all that. But this is, you know, We've seen years where you have a team that like you think it'd be really good, and then they stumble in one of these games, and there was no stumble here. So, impressed with what Washington's doing, and uh, that's what we want to see. Like five, six weeks from now, you want to see these teams be undefeated, and then starting getting into the meaty part of the schedules, and they start playing each other, and it means a lot more. So, the only way that happens though is if you win all these games, and yeah, for the first time since we've been doing this, the Pac-12s actually do it. We've had some big wins, you know, like. UCLA beating LSU or or Oregon beating Ohio State on the road and but then all the other stuff would fall apart. So so far, you know, we haven't seen that. And uh this is just one of those games where it's like, hey, it's a team that everyone knows. Like Boise State has beat big teams before and you just boat raced them. So that's good. Yep. All right. Uh our number two team. USC Trojans. I watched an uncomfortable amount of this game. Um really shouldn't have. Uh USC won 66 to 14. I think I was always just waiting for it to get late enough that I could start to think about the minus 38 that I was trying for. Uh, Oh, yeah. And then USC put it away emphatically at the end to win 66 to 14. Yeah, that's that's winning by 52 points. Um, Okay. I need to... So, the Alex Grinch jokes are funny. I like them. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to continue to make them. You should. I'm going to have a moment of zen right now and tell you. This USC defense is substantially better than it was last year. Um, defensive front is really good. Uh, I, Bear Alexander is a different kind of player, not one that they've had the last couple of years. So um, they, I mean, they demolished Nevada. Um, this was uncomfortable to watch. Brendan Lewis, former Colorado quarterback, uh, looked about how he looked at Colorado. I mean, he certainly connected. I mean, he threw for 182 yards. So that's a lot better than he looked at Colorado. Uh, yeah. But uh, he was still making some really terrible decisions. Uh, but USC was forcing a lot of that. He started a, his first drive. He threw a beautiful pass down the left side. The like only for a good throw he it threw really, all day. It was gorgeous. It was gorgeous throw. The only good one he had all day. <laughs> uh, and then it was just a lot of racing straight back, um, taking bad sacks, um, and just you know poor throws, bad decisions, yada, 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 so on and so forth. Um, USC, uh, Caleb Williams was doing Caleb Williams things. Uh, but like that kind of, I mean... It kind of undersells it. Um, 
like he had some scrambles in this one. There was the one the kind of that he threw to Brendan Rice for the touchdown where he ran around for like literally 10 seconds with like seven different free rushers coming at him. And he just like the eyes in the back of his head or whatever it is, the feel for an oncoming rusher is just insane. It's utterly completely insane. It's not good to watch. I don't want to see it anymore. I wish he would have just gone to the NFL, challenged the rule. Uh, like who was that? Maurice Claret. Yeah. Oh, he did. I yeah. Think challenge that. the rule and get out of here, man. I don't want to see this anymore. Um, he's really impressive to watch. Uh, and then, uh, you know, running the ball. I think Marshawn Lloyd's been great. Um, really like him. You shouted him out, but Quentin Joyner. Um, that's future, future, future. Pretty bright there. Um, and then like just showing kind of what the receiving core has in terms of how stacked it is. Uh, Dorian Singer was like the seventh leading receiver on this team. Taj Washington, um, guy we never talk about really, and he's really good. He's very underappreciated. Yeah. He's really good. Uh, Deuce Robinson uh, came in late. Uh, yeah, okay, seventy-one yard touchdown. <laughs> uh, Mario Williams really good. Brendan Rice really good. Brendan Rice famously was uh, like Colorado's best player like three years ago. He's like fifth on this depth chart uh it's just stupid like we talked about zachary branch he had like one play at the beginning of this game he's he's a freak he's gonna be um you know an all-world guy by his junior year and he can barely play in this freaking system because they have too many weapons um anyway it's disgusting they beat nevada by 52 usc's really good uh i'm i'm happy about it nevada's not yeah you love it nevada's not good um they're i think they're better than they were last year but they just weren't very good usc's two top linebackers uh mason cobb and eric gentry were late scratches we didn't know that they weren't going to play they didn't play but it it didn't really matter they were just overmatched but i think this is what what i thought the defense would be better is just because there was a lot better players out there and uh they're probably still going to give up some weird bad plays but i think their offense is so good you just need to get a stop or two you just need to not be terrible and i think they are sufficiently not terrible i think they're going to be top 50 and that's all you need to be like, if they can get there, that's yeah. Then they then they can win the conference yeah, by doing. Well, that. you'll be you'll be the number one offense in college football again. I don't think, frankly, I don't think there's any question about it. Yeah. You will be the number one offense in college football. So your defense just needs to be good enough to get some stops, like just yeah. Uh, and uh, like in a game like this, you stopped them most of the time. In a Pac-12 competitive game, stop them half the time. If you do that, you're going to outscore them by 20 points because nobody's going to stop this offense. Yeah. No, I think, and I think that's what you kind of want to see. Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams is ridiculous. Like he had that one where he's just running around, if, uh, and then you know weaving in and out, and then just throws an absolute like back foot flick of the wrist, throws a bullet to Brendan Rice in the end zone for a touchdown. You're just like, whoa! Yeah, his pass to Dorian Singer. He was running. It looked like he's going to throw it out of bounds. Throws it down the sideline. Singer makes a one handed catch. Um, they're just spreading the ball around and they, they, again, they use three different offensive line combinations, the first three drives. So I think they're still trying to figure things out. Uh, they didn't, they rotated on defense, but they couldn't do the linebackers. Taka Curtis took a guy's helmet off and, uh, got ejected for this one. So they didn't have as many inside linebackers. I would just say, it, yeah, they look, they look competent. Um, you know, we'll see how they, you know, they're going forward, but it's kind of where you want them to be. Uh, I think they're gonna be better on defense. You know, maybe not. You know, it's still Alex Grinch is still the defensive coordinator, but just the the personnel is better, um, and the offense is really freaking good. So we'll see. But it's Nevada. So yeah. All right, our number one team, and we got someone in the chat very excited about this. 
Oregon State Beavers. All right, yeah, as you can see, these are my rankings from Twitter uh, yesterday, but um, Oregon State beat San Jose State 42-17. to 17. Um, The reason I have them number one is watching all of the games this weekend, I think underlying thing is uh, I think Oregon State has the best combination of offensive line and defense in the league this year. Um, watching this game, just opening up running lane after running lane against San Jose State, uh, and then protecting DJU. I think he had, I think he was sacked maybe once, uh, but I didn't think it was even uh, necessarily an offensive line breakdown. Um, and this was a game they completely controlled. They allowed 14 yeah. points in the fourth quarter, but this was 28 to three going into the fourth. Um, and maybe uh, DJU's best game since he took over for Trevor Lawrence in that first time he ever played college football. Right. Um, 20 for 25 uh, for three touchdowns, 240 yards. Um, and like he had some throws in this one where you're like, wow, he threw that basically flat-footed into the end zone. That's that's something else. Um, if that reclamation project is actually a success, uh, I was a little skeptical. Like even, even knowing how good Jonathan Smith has been with quarterbacks, I was a little skeptical that that would be. But if that is actually going to happen... Mm. Yeah, my estimation for Oregon State is going to be dead wrong. Side him at eight and four, um, but watching that team, it's it's hard to imagine that. Damian Martinez was excellent again. Uh, defensively, though, we we already had data on San Jose State, um, and again, what I just said, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go back on it right now. USC's defense has improved, and you know, uh, Cordero looked good against USC. He was very athletic. He did a good- in this game. He averaged four and a half yards an attempt. Yeah, um, couldn't get anything going in the passing game. And he didn't really get free running the ball. Like he had one good run, and that was it. Um, this was uh, a really, really good defensive performance against an offense that we saw actually really did have a pulse against USC. Um, again, the the first string offense for San Jose State basically only had three points. Um, so uh, this was, uh, you know, kind of sneaky because it came in on the Sunday. People were probably just still hung over from Saturday, so they weren't really necessarily watching this one. Sneaky, one of the best performances of the weekend, um, just in terms of both sides of the ball, um, looking completely ready for the season um, and fully geared up. I I was kind of like, you know, zigging when people were zagging when it came to picking Oregon State as like a Pac-12 title contender and that whole thing. I had them, I forget, I had them pretty high. I think you had nine and three or eight and four, something like that. Yeah, um, but no, legitimately, they they are. And yeah, the league I had is them tough. ten to two. Yeah, the league is tough. We'll see what they do, but um, it's a very, very impressive start of the season for them. So Trent Bray came in last year, pretty much the same players, and uh, made the defense like significantly better. And so I know they lost some pieces from last year. I just felt like he was going to keep the defense rolling, and they did. They looked better. This is one of those situations where San Jose State played a week zero game, and sometimes that helps you. I feel like, honestly, I feel like this sort of hurt them because they put on tape. If Oregon State didn't get to see what Chevin Cordero was doing and how effective he was, I felt like they did a really good job of containing him. Maybe they would have done this anyway. Um, and he, I think even the announcers commented on it that they were like not really trying to get to him. They were just staying in their rush lanes and sort of not letting him get by. USC was like really trying to try out their pass rush and going after him. And then he would run by, you know, as they went by, he would run away from them. And I think Oregon State did a much better job. But I don't think it helped 
San Jose State that they had a game on tape that Oregon State got to watch, and then they could kind of figure out, hey, well, this is what well, we're Well, I'll, I'll throw a major caveat out there because um, USC could have done the same thing if they'd ever watched a single Hawaii game that Cordero <laughs> played. True. I don't think they watched a single well, game. He was there the year before, too, I think. Yeah, I don't think they watched a single game of this guy before they played. Maybe they did not. Yeah. But Oregon State, I mean, scouted, used the Week Zero game, scouted well. And obviously, you know, Damon Martinez is going to, you know, get his, um, you know, they got two running backs that can hurt you. DJ is, uh, you know, he got, I think, had two rushing touchdowns in this one. Yeah. They actually got stopped a couple of times in the goal line, and they just lined him up at, the like, the shotgun or the pistol and just, like, waltzed in. Um, yeah. Looked very comfortable. And when they were saying there was, like, a contract, like, you know, who was going to come in, who was going to win the job, and it's like, if he doesn't win it, there's a problem. Well, he and looks you've got legit. a 6'4", 252-pound quarterback, yeah, run his ass on the goal line. <laughs> uh, it's good stuff. So, I think that's a, you know, I have no problem having Oregon State first. And a second shout out. Uh, Adam Munster-Tiger's been through the wilderness. So has Angie Machado. She has. Best coverage you're going to get on Oregon State. If you are an Oregon State fan, go sign up for Beaver Blitz right now. You've got uh, a little over 24 hours if you're listening to this right now, if you're watching this right now, uh, to sign up. 50% off. And get you're, it. You're, um, we have a comment, uh, Dave, and this was your kind of harping on thing. Beavs only gave up 56 yards rushing. Yeah, yeah, I forgot to shout that out. But and like one of those is a quarterback run, which are you know fake and bullshit. Uh, this was really impressive uh, defensive performance from Oregon State. And Dave said they played uh, Cordero a few years ago, so they've seen him before. So maybe that, but different. I Trent Bray, I think, has been as, as far as like when they they uh, promoted him last year. Yeah, they they fired the one guy and then brought him up. Um, no, it was two years ago. They promoted him mid-season, I thought, and then he took over fully last year for the full year. Is that what it is? But I yeah. think so. He's just been great. He's been awesome. And it was immediate. Like, if you remember, when he took over, it was immediate. Yeah. With basically the exact same players, suddenly they're a lot better. But the people that were saying that Oregon State's going to drop off, I think a lot of it was because the um, guys they've lost, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But to me, it was just going to be more about the coaching was a lot better. And it, it looks like it is. I mean, fundamentally sound. Uh, you know, you have good game plans. I, you know, I, I feel after this game, like obviously don't feel good about my Colorado, like season pick or Stanford or Cal, but I feel much better about this, um, Oregon state being good. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's uh, take a quick break. We'll come back and do some questions. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're going to do like two questions because I got to get the hell out of here. You got to get out of here? Okay, hold on. There was um, 
Let me see. There was. Oh, we got a text message from uh, Soul Soul Cal. He's in South. He's yes, I'm a South Korean bear. Uh, can I say on behalf of all Cal Bears that Ryan can suck it? Cal won. Do we look terrible? Debatable. Does our defense need work? Yep. Is our passing game mediocre? Yep. But Ott will be the best back in the conference. Our ground game will keep games close and we'll probably end up five and seven, maybe six and six, but we uh, won't be the worst. Uh, we'll end up mid pack 12 in conference power rankings. The sad part is that Ryan will give some response like hooray Cal one against the crappy North Texas team, blah, 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 and not give Cal any credit as usual. David, you can attest to this. That's probably the most annoying thing about your show. Just give the bears credit where it's due. Go bears. Um, Soul, Soul Cal, I picked you to win this game preseason. I picked you to cover the spread. Not just win, but cover Didn't the spread. Didn't you pick Cal to go like 2-10, and 10, though? I picked them to win this game. Uh-huh. So what? why are you – like, I, I picked them to win this game. I picked them to cover the spread. I you, think so David I, said North Texas would not only cover – they would win. So maybe – why are you mad at me and not him? I don't understand. Maybe uh, – so uh, a shocking number of people do not differentiate between us, and they will hear uh, oh. you and say me. Um, but so. then he was like siding with you. Like, David, you could tell him. Yeah, David. He thinks you're David. David, you are so Ryan David Abraham. If you're, that's that is my middle name. Um, yeah, yeah. I picked you to win. Okay, um, and, and I think you guys look better. And it's not because North Texas sucks. All right, I'll read Frank's. Uh, quick turnaround. Do you guys? Do you think we can forget about the next two? Uh, the need to build the culture before you get a winning program in college football. Deion Sanders proved this this year, and Lincoln Riley showed last year that if you get the right coaches and you get the right players, you can build a much better program quickly. Frank and Sacramento. Yeah, this is a super dumb thing, but you can call it out in real time. Uh, Chip Kelly didn't need to do this at UCLA. He didn't need to blow things up and just take like four-year zeros in a row. Uh, you can be good immediately um, if you install the right things, you recruit the right players. Uh, you can build that energy immediately in recruiting, uh, as lots of coaches have done historically. Uh, it's completely stupid. Uh, this this idea that like there's a three or four year time horizon for building a program. No, there no. isn't. Uh, it, that's just eating years. That um, look, we all have finite time on Earth, uh, and it's like, what's the payoff? Like, w- always think about that. Like, what's the payoff of like spending all this time doing this crap? And for Chip Kelly so far at UCLA, and I don't mean to make this about Chip Kelly, but he's the most obvious example right now for a program build. Uh, the payoff has been a nine and three season in year five. Um, Dion might go nine and three this year at Colorado. <laughs> Lincoln Riley went, what'd they do? 11 and two last year? 11 three, yeah. 11 three. From four uh, and eight. Yeah, from four and eight. Like Washington went from four and eight to yeah, 11 and two. UCLA went three and nine that first year and then four and eight the next year. Like, it's just, there's an obvious way to do this. I mean, I, I I was going mad trying to explain this to UCLA people those first two years where, like, look, we're, we're past it now, so there's no point in, like, going and rehashing the past. I mean, the program's in much better shape, but it didn't need to be like that. It could right. have been much more immediate. Um, it Like, I don't look at, like, Colorado's culture as bad. They look super energized, super supportive of each other. It looked really great. Um, it's not a bad culture. USC doesn't seem to have a bad culture. They seem like they're really, you know, energized team game, the whole thing. So Washington, I, yeah. I, I I don't get that. Um, I think it's just a lot of, like, coach defense, like reflexive coach defense stuff. But, uh, no, it doesn't need to be like this. And, uh, yeah, no, I agree with you there. Uh, real quick, uh, West Texas Mike sent a video of um, Dabo Sweeney when they won the championship at the Rose Bowl. 
And he was giving his thing about, I'm somewhere, in, I don't know where, in California or whatever. And it was kind of funny that now you're going to be having California schools in uh, in the league with them. So I just wanted to like pass that along. And then last one, UCLA taking a knee. Interested in the history and opinion of Chip ignoring the point spread. I was conflicted because I had the over, but on the other hand, had admired him for making a football decision rather than a bookie cookie. Uh, then I remembered or invented memories of his days as a duck and running up the score. Of note, the best coach in the Pac-12 did the same thing in the Beavs, Road Warrior, Warrior whooping up on San Jose State, but thankfully the Spartans got the last second garbage time points necessary for the over. That yeah. was from Hovel Downs. I don't know. I mean, going back to his Oregon days, I think they were they were always trying to fine-tune their tempo. Um, so I don't even know how much of it was about, quote, running it up as much as we're going to continue to run our offense because we want to get this thing like a completely well-oiled machine because that was the basis on which the entire program rested. Uh, Chip doesn't do tempo nearly as much at UCLA as he used to. And so I think there's less of an emphasis on that. Um, and so, you know, they get to their, uh, you know, comfortable margin territory and they're still running the same offense in the fourth quarter. And now they're just running it more. Um I think when you're running a tempo offense, just like slowing it down, it's just kind of antithetical to what you're doing. So I think it was more a function of what kind of offensive system they had than it was a desire to run it up. Yeah, I agree with you. All right. Well, I know you got to get out of here. Uh, thanks, everyone, for doing our like early Labor Day weekend show. Uh, we did all the recap and stuff. And then we'll if you have more questions, you can send them in. Please leave us a review. Smash the like button on the YouTube channel. And we'll do a preview show for week two. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, sometime later in the week, probably on Thursday. We'll tweet it out and let you guys know or exit out or whatever it's called. Uh, for David David Woods, I'm Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts